0: Sox fans. here are the
1: bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone. The bastards are back for this midweek edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a two-game set against the New York Mets, winning both games. They are currently second place in the American League East, six games behind the division-leading Tampa Bay Rays. They are still in the number one wildcard seed, two games ahead of the Yankees. Toronto Blue Jays are half a game back. Uh, from the Yankees. Still a tight three-team race at the moment with the the Oakland A's and Seattle Mariners in striking distance. Quick disclaimer, as always, for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards Boston. Co-hosting with me tonight from the mile-high city of Denver, by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Duan. Yellow jerseys every night. Oh God, yeah. I don't think
0: we'd take them off.
1: <laughs> oh man. Well, Nick Pavetta's pitching on Saturday, so uh, I think that's when uh, I, I think that's when the streak will. Will come to an end, but man, hopefully not. I hope we never see those jerseys again. Well, they gotta wear the um, the marathons in October this year, right? It is,
2: I believe. Yes.
0: Oh, uh, that'd be great. To, I wonder if they'd wear it if they're in a playoff game.
2: If they um, do, no, no, no. if they do and they win, then then I'm I'm on the yellow jersey train.
1: <laughs> yellow forever, baby. uh I just those are the ugliest jerseys of all time. Like, <laughs> why Chris Sale hasn't taken a bunch of scissors to all of them? I just because they're. I'm, many- not,
0: I'm not gonna lie. I wore um I wore one to every All Star event and got nothing but compliments. No one knew what the hell they were. They're were like, "What? Why? Why is your jersey yellow?" I was like, "Oh, well, let me explain it to you." So yeah, but they they all got a good amount of compliments, which I was surprised by.
2: I actually Except like I the like hat. I like oh, the I hats. hats. Yeah, the right. hats. Are... I hate the jersey. <laughs> like, can we invert the colors? Can we wear baby blue with some yellow writing? That would be like, sweet. I would be okay would, with that. I would
1: be on board with I would that. own a bunch of those. I would be on board with that. The hat is nice. I do like that with the mostly blue. You know, like, basically, the hat is inverted. So, yeah, that's, that's good. So, Job... <laughs> joining us from the nation's capital and uh, how are
2: you? Uh, I'm doing well. I, I'm a little nervous here. I, I realized about a half hour ago when I, when I sent you a note, Terry, that if, if all goes well, this will be my last regular season show because next week I'll be at the game in Baltimore. Hopefully to close out a series sweep Um. And that would mean it'll be the last midweek show before the playoffs if we're in the playoffs. So I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm, I'm hoping that we have more baseball to talk about, you know, the next time that Andrew, you and I get together. And it's not just uh, offseason work.
1: Well, it's always a mishmash in the off-season once we get to it. I just take whoever's available to record the show. If we're lucky... And uh, just kind of a spoiler alert, in Deep Dives, which will be released 24 hours after this one, we're going to be talking about who our preferences are between the Yankees, Toronto, what we like about each team, what we don't like. But if we get beyond them, and we're into the LDS, which would be against Tampa, inevitably, We'll probably have a show almost every night with some combination. It could be any combination of us. So we, uh, we're pretty playoff uh, heavy with the coverage. And we haven't done it, obviously, since 2018, which was several crews ago, it feels like. But, but yeah, so there, there could potentially still be a lot of uh, baseball left, if, if we're lucky. So Well, that's the hope. That, that's why we play on. That's why we play 162, right? Yeah, and hopefully, uh, how many do you have to play? Let's see. So hopefully, it'll the be, magic number is two. It'll two be more. one, five, and then seven and seven. So that's up to 20 more games beyond the you know 162. I <laughs> uh, see. I was I was thinking,
2: how many more do we have to play before we can guarantee ourselves a playoff spot? And I think the answer is hopefully will know by the time the weekend crew jason and andrew uh, jason and uh, charlie get on here on sunday evening with you terry we will be in the playoffs that's my my hope the
0: magic
1: number right now is seven as yeah. we speak well you if could if you sweep the, the magic number is seven but if you sweep the yankees you need one more the magic number
2: drops fast you yeah. need one more
1: you need one more yeah Yeah. So, and then you got Baltimore uh, next. So, and we've swept them the last two times we played them. Maybe even, maybe even three times ago. I, I don't remember. But, uh, yeah. So, getting it out of the way. Attention, listeners from across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Boston. Do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. The Lawnmower 4.0 also has a 4000K LED spotlight you can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave throughout your travels across the universe get 20 off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com that's 20 off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com for a clean trinity and beyond your space balls will thank you Getting back into it, it was a sweep. This was a big series because the, we could have went over 2 coming into it. I, I wouldn't have been shocked. I yeah, mean, I mean,
2: it's a it's a big series against an opponent who, frankly, is sliding, but they are a quality opponent. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. The Mets, when they're on their game, can be dominant. They've just fallen off. Uh, frankly, that organization's a dumpster fire. Um, <laughs> from the front office to the players, being a Mets fan has got to be really tough right now because you went from ownership that you hated so much that you forced him basically to sell the team to an owner that you worshipped within two weeks for being willing to spend money, and then the players putting their thumbs down at you and the owner tweeting mean things about the players and the fans and two GMs this season alone. It's, it's really just a dumpster fire of our organization.
0: Yeah. And with Walker leading off uh, or not Walker, uh, Stroman leading off this series, he's been really good this year. So yeah, potential to shut down the Red Sox lineup and it almost looked like he was about to when Xander grounded into that double play early on in the game. You're like, oh, this could be one of those nights, but luckily they rebounded. And once you won that first one, it was, you kind of knew.
1: Yeah. We had the bases loaded there, no outs, and then we don't score. And then Erod comes up bases loaded, no outs, two of their score. So that it looked like it could have went upside down. Today's matchup with sale and Walker was obviously favorable, but they have the offense that, you know, if they show up and we don't, then I I wouldn't have been surprised if we dropped a couple. But but what are we, seven wins in a row now going back to Seattle? So I'd love to keep that intact through the Yankees series, but we'll get into that in the tail end of the show. So, so Terry, I'm going to be honest here. Yep.
2: I... Did not watch Game 1 until after it finished. And the reason being is because I was nervous that Strowman was going to shut us down. And living in the D.C. area, I have blackout restrictions on all the Orioles games. So I didn't watch that series at all. I was just like, oh, no, it's not worth going upstairs and finding it on cable and all this. So I didn't watch that series at all until the games were over. And so tonight I was like, oh, if I watch and they lose... Then I, I can't watch any baseball for the rest of the year. So I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling really, really relieved right now that they went out and scored 12 runs.
1: Well, yeah, they did. That was 12 to 5 tonight with sale, and then Tuesday was 6 to 3. Eduardo Rodriguez got the start. It was a brief one. Cora had a really short leash on him, but. We'll we'll get into some of that as we go, but let's get into uh it's just gonna be studs tonight. I don't think there's really any duds worth mentioning. So, Andrew, go ahead, lead off. Who was your stud for the series? It's pretty easy. Uh, it was the yellow jerseys.
0: No, it was the <laughs> guy that went um that went four for six in him, um, Kyle Schwarber. Two absolute monster bombs. How he pulled that second one, even though it was like high and two inches off the plate. It was absurd. The power display he put on tonight was just, I mean, I I think we were all kind of waiting to see that. That's what he did during that stretch when I think it was in June when every night he was, you know, just leading off the game with that. Yeah. They were all like 475 foot home runs. And the first one only went 434 today, but it seemed like it went a whole lot further than that. Um, if this is a sign of things to come uh, the one game playoff gets very interesting to see the positioning of guys like we talked about at um last week's uh deep dive show who starts Bobby or Kyle if if one of them has to play first and both those guys are red hot um bench for yeah. I, I, he's red hot too yeah he's... <laughs> Yeah, this is kind of a problem. I know, right? (laughs) Uh, We went from not having any first baseman to oh my god, which like MVP second half guy? Do we uh, do we bench? So yeah, um, Schwarber gets my uh, stud. What is even close for me? The power display he put on was second to none that I've seen all season.
2: Well, he's five for ten now against Walker with five home runs. And he has three multi-home run games against the Mets this year alone. That's batting practice for Kyle Schwarber. Like, Andrew, you were at the home run derby, right? I was, yeah. It's slightly over 50% of the the pitches thrown that are home runs. It's more like 70. But this is pretty close. Like, five (laughs) for ten with five home runs. That's like home run derby.
0: I'm so mad he was hurt during the All-Star break. That would have been so fun
2: to watch. (laughs) Uh, he's been an absolute stud he was off the bag today when sale threw the ball to first they did not overturn the call down 11 to 2 i think they were like let's move this game along um so his defense at first still does need a little bit of work but uh you can't complain when he's gonna hit two home runs and two at bats for four rbis i don't know why they pitched to him for the second at bat frankly knowing the numbers i mean at that point he's He's uh, four for nine with four home runs, and he has one off you already tonight at to straightaway center. Why are you pitching to him? I, I don't know. He's, he's getting to the point where, when you know he's on, you, you can't take him out of the lineup. He's one of the streakiest hitters in baseball, granted, but when he's hot, he's one of the best.
1: Well, I mean, he's not all that streaky in terms of getting on base, though. He was four for six in the series, but he drew three walks. You're right,
2: mostly power. His zone recognition has been fantastic. Uh, He takes a lot of walks. In fact, his plate discipline has trickled throughout the rest of the lineup since he came to the Sox, Bobby Dahlbeck being the most notable. Um, I, I know that was a focus that the Red Sox asked Dahlbeck to look at the second half. But it feels like since Schwarber came on board, every single hitter in the lineup is taking more walks. And
1: Verdugo, his uptick coincides with the Schwarber acquisition as well. Vasquez has come on uh, in the last couple of weeks stringing together some hits. So I, I like Kyle Schwarber, and we've done a lot of talking about middle infielders in the last week and how there's a number of them that could make a big impact for this team, probably most notably Carlos Correa, but does if we bring back Schwarber for four more years, maybe a fifth, I don't know if if he'll command that type of a deal in the offseason, but let's just say four. Are you more or less likely to win it by having Correa instead of Schwarber? Because I think Schwarber could help you just as much. I don't think the difference... Where's Schwarber playing? Well, I mean, you could do whatever you want with him, especially if JD opts out. So you've got three different positions. So
2: you have three different positions, and that's been an issue to get everybody in the lineup here of of late. Uh, So my suggestion would be sign him. Stick him in in left field. If J.D. opts out, he's a great D.H. Uh, He is, because of his plate discipline, one of the more matchup immune guys that you have as far as getting on base. He very rarely gives you an 0 for 5 unless he's got at least two walks. You you just don't see five at-bats where he's not on base at least once or twice. Um, Whereas you get that with other hitters... Who swing for the fences. So to me, I would sign him in a heartbeat. Uh I think he adds a lot of value to this team. He makes your lineup deeper no matter what. And you know, I still think the Correa for Xander move would be lateral, not forward.
1: Andrew, any thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't if the Red Sox go on a deep postseason run and Schwarber's the main cause. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to afford him, quite frankly, with uh, some of the bills that are coming due with extensions. I would love to see him if it was either – I would I would take him over J.D. I don't know – for some reason I got to change of heart with which way I thought J.D. was going to lean. I, You know, I think he could come back. Uh, I don't know why. It's just been – You know, giving me that feeling, just walking away from that guaranteed money. I don't know if it's a certainty, but given the option between the two, maybe it's recency bias, but I I would absolutely go Schwarber um, if I can only pick one.
1: Well, I think his contract would essentially replace JD's contract or thereabouts. I don't think he's getting, you know, 200000000 million, let's say. I, I think that would be an overpay. I think, he, yeah, he'd probably get like four at 80 to 100, probably. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a pretty safe bet. That's about what I'm figuring. So, it, so that's about what that would do, is it would take, it would just take the place of JD's current money. But here's something to consider. Here's why I think JD will opt out. He would be leaving 19 on the table. And let's just say there's not a lot of interest or his market ends up being lower than what many of us anticipate. He's going to do no worse than a Nelson Cruz contract for one year, 10 to 12. So he'd probably lose seven to 9 million, but I think he takes that gamble to get a bigger contract.
2: I think it depends on whether or not he wants to be in Boston. Um, You know, he's one of those guys who has only played for a handful of teams that that actually wanted him I mean he bounced around a little bit and then when he found his landing spot in Detroit I mean that was it um you know he might not want to move to another team bounce around again uh and if he does want to want to do that take that risk I think it's probably a good idea to do it this season with the CBA coming up I just do I think with the CBA, everybody's going to get paid.
1: And if he gets hurt next year, then what's his value the following year? I think it's, it's too risky for him to not go for it. Well, he's
2: 35. I mean, it depends on how long he wants to play. For all we know, he wants to play out this contract and walk away and go do something else. Not a lot of guys want to be Nelson Cruz. Not a lot of the guys can be Nelson Cruz and play until they're 42.
1: Well, he, J.D. did say... Uh, in the uh i think it was in spring training that he wanted to play beyond the age of 40 and and be a hero in boston or something (laughs) so it it was the first day of spring training i think but but i i think it's like i said too risky for him to not pursue another three to four year deal uh, this coming winter i wonder how much money the
0: marlins would have to throw at him for him to go there Finish your, you a know, lot. finish your play. I mean, he's from Miami. I don't know. It could be a nice, like, finish your career off. You know, hang out at the beach all day long. Go show up an hour before the game. DH, not I bad for a thirty-five year old. If they get the three-year
2: deal, if they give him a three-year deal, I think he might take that. But I think at this point in his career, knowing who he is, he probably goes to a team like Toronto, who is one player short. Uh, just doesn't get over the hump. Um, And I don't know that it would be Toronto because Canadian taxes make it not worth paying him. But say, for example, if Oakland or Seattle comes calling, Seattle specifically, how do you not give that consideration? If you're going to get paid big dollars to go be the mentor in Seattle to all these young kids who are about to make a playoff run for the first time in 20 years.
1: Seattle's going to be a player this winter. so That's exactly what I'm thinking. That, like, they're a... in the market for a
2: bat, and they're in the market for a leader, and they're going to be in the market for some pitching too. Like They're going to be all over the free agency market, and I think for a guy like J.D. Martinez, come DH for us, teach our young kids how to hit, and be the face of our organization for the next three years and then walk away and retire. They'll
1: overpay for him. I absolutely think so. I think the Giants could be a fit. He's he's got a little bit of unfinished business in Houston. They DFA'd him. I don't know if that's a fit if they keep Brantley and you got guys-
2: I, I don't think he would go back there. I mean they they wrote him off and he went on to be a great power hitter for the next ten years. I wouldn't go back there, would you?
1: Yeah, and Jordan Alvarez is never gonna give up that job. He's yeah, just that, a monster. That's what I was saying. So, I mean, you've got one semi-limited outfielder in Brantley and then Jordan at DH. So may, perhaps that's not a great fit. But they, they A semi-good fit would be Philly. Like,
2: that's a great fit. Go play with Bryce Harper. They're on the verge of, of potentially making the playoffs this year, let alone next year. And we know they love to spend money. Dave Dombrowski is there. He brought him on in, in Texas and in, in uh, Detroit. He brought him on in Boston. Like that, to me, just makes sense if the DH gets implemented universally in the CBA.
1: There's definitely a connection. Wouldn't that be weird, though? That a, a GM worked for three different organizations and signed the same player in all of them. So. <laughs> oh, it, we traded for Christian Arroyo
2: three different times
1: with Hein Bloom, right? Three different teams have traded for Christian Arroyo? Something like that. Hein Bloom at the GM? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. The GMs have their guys. Something like that. So. Let's kind of maybe connect something there. Uh, Job, go ahead with your stud for the series.
2: My stud for the series is going to be Jose Iglesias. Not the flashiest of picks, I know, based on the fact that we scored 12 runs and he didn't have a home run, didn't have that many RBIs. But he has stabilized the middle infield in a way that we didn't think we would have when we lost Christian Arroyo for half the season, basically. We've lost Christian Arroyo for 10 games here, 10 games there. It's now 83 games that, we, that he's missed this season. Jose Iglesias has become that steadying presence. He was great in this series. He's been great since he signed with the Red Sox. Terry, you tweeted out on the Bastards of Boston account, 10 seconds before I tweeted it out, I'd already written the tweet, hit send, and I looked up, it's like one minute ago, as Boss said, <laughs> would it be great if he signed six days earlier? And I'm like, wow, I'm going to be really depressed that he can't play in the playoffs. Because he is showing you great defense, great compete, great hustle at a position that he's never played before. He's never played second before. And he's allowing Kike... To play center field, so we don't have any wonky defensive linemen with Verdugo in center and errors everywhere. Um, and then on top of that, he's hitting 318 since coming to the Sox. He had another uh, good day today. He had a triple, which was frankly a little bit of a gift. Uh, Pilar of any other year catches that. Um, but great hustle to go to third. Uh, Forrest's tough throw went home. He also had a walk uh, before being pulled from the game. I just don't see how this guy got DFA'd from the Angels. I mean, it's not like he was making a lot of money. I just don't get it. He's a career 300 hitter, uh, and it's, it's good to have him back. I would sign him in the offseason to a, a utility man role.
0: I, I actually think you're seeing why he was DFA'd by the Angels, because he clearly didn't care. Um, he, he was a negative defensive war player, he was a negative all-around war player this entire year before coming to Boston, and now he's putting a positive war all across the board. So he definitely wasn't probably the best teammate out there, uh, I don't, due to lack of interest, which is kind of shocking, because like, you played for the Reds and the the Tigers and then the Orioles. So you're you should be used to this. The losing, but um I mean, yeah, he the Angels... to
2: deal with them too, right? It's not like he was traded there. No, no, totally. I, they might have been the only ones that offered him money, but
0: yeah, I I think the Angels also waited strategically till September third and not do him a favor. Cause sometimes you'll see teams do players a favor. And you know, let him go before the postseason rosters lock, and they clearly didn't do that in this case, unfortunately. And trading for him would have resulted in them going over the luxury tax. We're only paying him eighty-seven thousand uh, this year instead on the um, the major league minimum. So yeah, it's a it's a shame that they don't have him. In October, and I was actually kind of thinking about this earlier, and I meant to make a note of it, so I'm glad we're talking about it now. He might just have to jump out of his lineup, like, soon, though. They might have to force him out of the lineup to get Christian Arroyo back up to speed, unfortunately.
2: Well, they did that today already. I mean, they they Christian Arroyo uh, in this game. Um, but in more serious situation, you
0: know, get, get, I mean, got to get Arroyo four bats in a game and get him back up to where he's going to be, which it sucks. I mean, you're definitely taking away from your team, but maybe they'll wait till after the Yankee series to do that or something like that if they manage to take two or three. I,
2: I would say that's the ideal scenario for both the team and for Arroyo because – the Yankees do have some tough pitching. I mean, it's not been the pitching that's been letting them down this year, uh, for the most part. And if you can give Arroyo six days against the Orioles and the Nationals, he'll be ready for the wild card. He'll be he'll be ready.
1: That's probably he what I would do. I wouldn't really mess with anything going into the Yankee series. That those are three big games, and you want to sustain your momentum and not end it on a bad note and then go sideways into the Baltimore series. And I was thinking one thing though. What if you just dyed the Glacius hair, a lighter Brown, put a fake beard on him. You could put the number 39 Jersey on him and send him out there. Just yeah, say, like Mark. It's like just... Mark Morris and
2: his brother, Marcus, right? They played for each other in a playoff game. According to some TMZ <laughs> gossip, um, granted they're twins. But I would, I would love to have Jose Iglesias on this playoff roster. I think he's solidified you up the middle. He's made everything calm. And uh, gone are the days of the five bastards of Boston hosts talking about how the bottom third of the order is costing us games. and This is why we're going nowhere. This is why Heim Bloom doesn't deserve to have a job except Andrew. Um, this is a whole new lineup. He stabilized the right side it. of history. I mean, you know, at this point, I can't disagree with that, but it really is – it's shocking to me that a 300-hitter in Jose Iglesias is so underappreciated across the league just because he doesn't hit for power. Well, Andrew, I
1: would oh, – sorry, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, ahead. Andrew made some points with – perhaps there there might have been some issues. I mean, he, he has had some confrontations with teammates, and he's got a manager in Anaheim that has probably one of the strongest personalities of, of any manager in Joe Absolutely. Madden. So, yeah, and you, maybe you do just get sick of losing after a while. So.
2: I mean, if you're a competitive guy, right? And frankly, when you sign a deal with the Los Angeles Angels in the off season, and you have Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon and Shohei Otani and – you know, you have some star talent on that team. And you go on to lose close to 100 games. I mean, that's that's tough. Well, I can imagine that by the time June rolls around, you're done. <laughs> you don't want to play there anymore.
1: And, and he has to play behind what's one of the worst pitching staffs in, in baseball, really. Yeah, and if he wants to make a great diving
2: stop and a great throw to first, there's no guarantee they're going to catch it. Right? <laughs> it's like it's a thankless job to play well on a losing team in a lot of markets. And I think the angels is one of those. So it doesn't surprise me. I just, and I hate to do this to Christian Arroyo because many a time he's been so clutch and so good for these Red Sox. Jose Iglesias is just a better Christian Arroyo.
1: We talked about it earlier privately in the war room and I was a big Christian Arroyo guy coming into the season, and I I still like him, but... And so do I. I mean, no one dislikes Christian Arroyo.
2: He's very clutch, um, and he's great defensively. hasn't made an error all season. I'm knocking on wood. But uh, Jose Iglesias just does everything that Arroyo does a little bit better.
1: But for me, though, the point I was about to make is it's the durability. How many how many games are you getting him for? He's played fifty. Well, tonight would be fifty-four games, and that's the most he's ever played. As frustrating as only fifty-four games this season has been, that's the most. And I I, I don't have Iglesias' you know career history in front of me, but I do. Prob- would you like it? How many games has he played? Okay. His only seasons with
2: few games played, 2020 he played 39 games in a 60 game season. Uh, 2013, played 100 games. Those are his lowest marks. His highest marks are 130, 137, 146, 127, 114. He's constantly playing 110 games and
1: up every season. Right, so there there's a pretty solid record of durability there, and, and it would only be a one year deal. So I would, I, it I would, would be a one
2: year deal, and it would not be expensive. Like you could pay him. I would suggest probably around two million, three million dollars. I don't think he's going to be much more than that, if he has any other offers at all.
1: I, I had him in the three to five range, but it, it could very well be on the lower end of that. So Andrew, you had some differing uh, thoughts. So well,
0: I, I wasn't going to five for a utility guy. It just to me, it didn't make sense just for a, a guy to play 80 to hundred games a year. I, I just don't see it. Um, I don't know how much money they're going to have to play with this off season, uh, it's all going to depend on the CBA and whatever rules that they come up with. What, I'm sure they're going to be stupid uh, just based off of Manfred's history. Um, I would rather just give ARB1 to Arroyo and hope that super part-time keeps him healthy. Because uh, they've all been weird injuries, like going back to when he started, we he got hit on the wrist as a rookie, broke his wrist, and just stupid stuff like that. Um I don't know. It it would take a lot for me to want to spend that kind of that kind of cash. Quite frankly, and if Arroyo is going to be approaching that in Arb one which can't imagine he will, I I would even have a hard time giving that to him. Um, I'd rather see those finances allocated to uh, pitching in one way or another.
1: And Jeter Downs has to come up at some point. I mean, he spent the whole year in Triple A. He did, but he's only had he, – he's, he's finished in the season strong, but he's only
0: faced uh, – he's only had eight at-bats by guys that are younger than him. He's still really young, and it was an aggressive um, placement in AAA, and it, it really started – he started to turn a t- uh, corner, which is amazing. I don't know if he's going to go to the AFL or or, or anything um, after the season ends, but I, I wouldn't – count on him till at least midseason if he's ready
2: i i don't even know that he'll play next year i mean you look at him and, and how young he is i almost feel like the placement of, of him at AAA was a reactionary move by heim bloom and the and probably the front office and ownership i think it's a, a collaborative move to show red sox fans hey look the, the guy we got for mookie's pretty good I don't. I don't know necessarily that this was a the right step for his development. I think he could have benefited from some time at AA A for a lot longer. But it benefited the organization to have a almost ready major leaguer in the minors than it did to have a Double A guy who might not see the big leagues for four years. As far as PR. he
0: was, he was probably too good for Double A though, because he did well at the alt site last year. Um, they did want to challenge him, but at, sometimes it takes a year and a half, two years to triple A for some of these guys to get ready. And like I said, he the bombs he was hitting near the end there were all light tower power hits. Uh, so the pedigrees there. He's a 50-plus tool 50 plus tool uh, across-the-board kind of guy. Now, I'm definitely not giving up, up on him at this point.
1: And perhaps the the year off from regular minor league play might have – impacted him more than your average minor leaguer i'll say this though if he's not up by the all-star break next year that that's a little disappointing and i i hope he's a guy that we can count on with about that time frame
0: yeah it's all going to depend on spring training and how he gets off to his start um I don't know where they would put. I, if he, if where do he'd you plan? Forced, yeah, he'd be forcing someone out at second. He's pretty much second primarily now. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not too sure.
2: I think the the, the main concern is you have Kike Hernandez for another year, right? On this on this two year deal, you have him next year. If Jeter Downs is ready, which I think every intent. For the Red Sox is to have Jeter Downs with the big club for the majority of next year if not all of next year then you need to move Kike to second and then he blocks Jeter Downs. Jeter Downs is only 23 years old so my assumption is that Downs probably stays in the minors until at least August and he's probably a September call-up next year and is not playing in the big leagues next season. But not because he's not ready. It's going to be because they chose to promote Duran over Downs. You only have so many spots.
1: Well, I don't think... If Arroyo's still on the team, I mean, I'm I'm totally convinced he's going to do one or two DL stints, injured list stints, prior to the trade deadline. And, and that could be conservative. And if we don't bring back Iglesias, I mean, who... Who are we worried about taking time from? I'm not worried about taking time from any of those guys. If if Downs well, from is ready, uh, yeah. I mean that's that's what it is. Kike is your everyday
2: second baseman next year. If if Duran is ready to play center, that's the just the nature of the Red Sox contract situation right now. Is your outfield is locked up and cheap? Your infield well, is going to be Kike Hernandez, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, and whoever plays first.
0: Let me give you another situation here, and this—I don't know if it would be a possibility, but I don't think they'll rule it out. If Jeter or G. Jones, if Duran, they still believe in the the bat, but clearly not the fielder. He wasn't a half bad second baseman.
2: And, oh God, no! I'm all done with fielding. Well, I mean, he <laughs> came up the second.
0: No, he came up as a second baseman, so I, he could easily move, make that move back, if they thought the uh, if they thought the bat was still there. I don't know. It, I guarantee he will be talked about a little bit inside the uh, inside the walls there. But,
1: I again, long shot, just just as a, thrown out a scenario. And he he could be a Duran could be a fourth outfielder. I mean, he doesn't have his projected annual numbers is a is a 240 guy with what 20 bombs maybe and and then you would think that downs has to be significantly higher than that at least from a batting average standpoint batting average probably closer to
0: 280 for downs um 15 to 20 home runs duran probably moved that up to 25 to 30 home runs he's got about 66 oh yeah Ah. he's got 60 power okay um yeah, the speed and the power are really the only thing that uh, Duran has on Downs. Downs is just solid all across the board. He's just one of those guys that doesn't have giant fundamental flaws.
1: Maybe he'll be a, like a D.D. Gregorius-type guy. That'd I, be great. I, yeah, I would, I'd love it. I would take that. I don't think Kyle Bloom is the
2: kind of guy to go make a big trade deadline splash based on our, our current circumstances, but... With the logjam that we see right now with where do we play these guys, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if Downs comes out or if Dahlbeck comes out and and mashes the beginning of the year, assuming Dahlbeck's still on the roster in in the spring, which I think is a long shot anyway. Really, One of those guys is moving. Somebody's moving. And I think there's a possibility – that you move on from Jaron Duran. Jaron Duran goes to another ball club in, in the majors for some pitching. I think you could move Duran for a starting pitcher, and you could have your lineup be pretty set for the next, you know, the next run at hopefully a
1: World Series championship. Well, it's interesting because I was thinking when you were raising the the question about, you know, where would Duran play or or how would it shake out when Downs came up, there, there is probably a good chance that one of Downs, Duran, or Dahlbeck does get traded. And whether they keep... Oh, absolutely.
0: That's what they're
1: there for, pretty much. And I mean, keep, keeping Kyle Schwarber could be part of Dahlbeck getting traded. And, I mean... I don't really know what I want with Dahlbeck at this point. I was all for trading him. and uh, Sell, 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 <laughs> sell, sell. But his value might never be higher. His value might never
2: be but higher. That's it, Terry. You know what mad money? Uh, sell, sell, sell. That's it right here. Sell Bobby Dahlbeck the day after the World Series to somebody else. Let And let then he turns into Jeff Bagwell. And if he does, <laughs> if he does. Then you'll good call thing. for what inspiring, firing thing. and I know it. If you if he does, it's a good thing you have Tristan Casas who projects to be a better player. A, at that maybe, Who knows. Who knows.
1: Yeah, he he Andrew's tonight, the you know? the big doll that guy in but AAA. Yeah. His first Triple-A game, he hit a home run. Tonight he did. He hit a home run. Yeah. yeah. And Uh, Like I said, I don't know, but if Dahlbeck is mashing through the the first half of next year, if we keep him, he's probably not getting traded at all. But at this point, the Red Sox are surprisingly in a position to where if they do want to trade Dahlbeck, we can sit and wait for the other teams to call us and be like, hey, what's it going to take? What's it gonna to take to get Bobby? Which, which we we would have had
2: to pay someone to take him three months ago. And Andrew, thank you for preaching patience. I had had it with him twice.
0: Never give up on best friend Bob. I'm telling you right now.
1: Yeah, well, we'll we'll be talking about him throughout the the winter. So. Let's, uh, like I said, we're not going to get into duds, uh, this time. So let's just talk about some other things. Xander Bogarts had a big night game one, two run shot off of Marcus Stroman, which made me feel really good. I tweeted on Twitter because Stroman's such a punk and he's my least favorite person next to David Price. Bogarts should have put his bat between his legs and pretended it was a horse and rode it around the, the base pass. That's what I would have done if Strowman was on the mound, but but if you carry your bats at first, you're out. Oh, are you? Oh, yes. I didn't know that. Oh I would totally walk into that one if I were a player. <laughs> uh, so but anyway, good he's firing on all cylinders. It's his second or third you know, really good series in a row. Seems to be primed for Hopefully a big October. Uh, Devers two for eight. Both those hits were in game two. Uh, going down the list. I, I guess that that was about it. Kike, though, two for eight. Had a home run in game one. Drove in a run tonight. Also gunned down. I forget which base runner it was at uh, third base. Oh, he well, gunned down two. I
0: missed one. Didn't he gun down someone last night, two at the plate? Didn't he get someone? Oh. I, uh, if, uh, I thought somebody got greedy last night and then tonight he got i don't i don't know about,
2: i don't know about gundam down yeah I, I think it was a bad base running decision it was a good throw but gu- gundam down i'm saving for anyone in the red sox outfield yeah that's
1: like that's like, put it that way It wasn't a great throw it was a good throw that was the pete alonso throw where he was out by a mile if i'm not mistaken is that okay yeah d Sarcina shouldn't have even sent him <laughs> Which is hilarious. I mean, talk about a third base coach who doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> Another
2: error tonight on the base pass. I thought they were the Red Sox for a little while there. The Mets were terrible on the bases in both games. Trying to take third on Kike, I actually I understand that one because that was a very deep fly ball. But by the time the third base coach signaled for a slide, he was going to be out no matter what. I mean, you, you gotta tell your runner that he has to hustle when these Red Sox are throwing the ball. He, he ran there lackadaisically. He thought he had it like taken, like the throw was going to second for some reason.
0: Maybe, Maybe Kevin Kiermeier stole their uh, scouting
2: report card
1: too. That was hilarious. Too. He might have. the The thing though, a lot of Red Sox fans might have forgotten about Gary DeSarcina, but he was John Farrell's bench coach in the final year that uh, Farrell managed.
2: See, I knew I didn't like him.
1: Yeah. I don't know
2: why, but I knew I didn't like him. Here's league. the other
1: fun fact though. Farrell gets tossed in the first inning of what ended up being the final playoff game for us against the Astros in twenty seventeen. So Gary D managed basically that full game. And you know, and then we went home, Farrell got fired, and uh Cora got hired and, and we changed the they, name of the podcast. Gary's <laughs> <I did. laughs> Gary's got deep ties though. I uh, Nothing but respect. I
0: think he was a UMass Amherst guy. He was definitely the manager at Pawtucket for a good long while there, too. So good to see him uh, holding down, hopefully for a while in the majors.
1: Well, that that Mets manager and coaching staff could be in line for a shakeup, unfortunately, uh, this season. So we'll see. But like you said, he is a smart baseball guy. They should hire Theo
2: Epstein, and they should do what – the uh, Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA had to do. Theo like, should not outside.
1: go there. Yeah, <laughs> and he won't. I mean, if he had problems with Larry Lacchino breathing down his neck, it's never going to work with Steve Cohen. Could you guys imagine yeah. if
2: George Steinbrenner had Twitter?
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. oh, like, I, Joe Castiglione mentioned that tonight on the WEI broadcast, and I, I had to stop and laugh for like a solid five minutes. Trying to think about what the you know whether his Twitter would be as good to to read and laugh about as some of these others.
1: Yeah, that w- would have been really entertaining. He he'd be like the Donald J Trump of uh, of the sports world. The It'd the be awesome. World. Yeah, he would. Yeah. All right. So uh, we got a few minutes here. Let's uh, get into pitching a little bit. Rodriguez is going to be your number three starter, whether we like it or not. Uh, didn't look terrible. Didn't look great. Four and one thirds uh, uh, innings pitched. Five hits. Two earned runs. Did walk three, which is kind of high for him. Struck out five. So he's tipping his changeup.
2: Um, Eckersley mentioned it on the broadcast tonight that he thinks Eduardo Rodriguez is tipping pitches. Uh, and then I went through a little bit of a deep dive uh, into Twitter. There seems to be. And granted, this is fans, right? So we all overreact as Internet's fans. loose. I'm, I'm right on the top. But everyone seems to think he's tipping his changeup. If he's tipping his changeup, it explains a lot uh, on those three walks because all three of them were on the changeup.
1: Yeah, he did have a problem with that earlier in his career, and it was with that pitch He's had it multiple like, times. Yeah. yeah, he's
2: had that at least twice or three times in his career where he goes through bad stretches, and it's because he's tipping his, his uh, changeup, and his fastball is 92, not 98, so he can't always get away with it.
1: Yeah, his change-ups is bread-and-butter pitch. But, Andrew, any thoughts on Rodriguez? This is when he has to come through.
0: If he wants to really solidify his spot in that postseason roster, uh, well, not roster, but rotation, this is it. Uh, this is absolutely his real last chance. That's being said, I don't know who's gonna go in front of him, but um <laughs> oh, that's yeah, weird. I hopefully they have what they need uh, is he go, he's going Sunday.
1: I was just yes, about and, to check that. Yeah. yeah I have he's going Sunday. Of, he is. yeah,
0: I think it goes yeah, yeah, it goes Nate, then um Nick and then Eddie. So I don't know we don't have the luxury of Garrett Whitlock right now. So we can probably only afford one five inning game out of one of these pitchers, you know, and I'm assuming that's going to be the middle, middle one there out of Nick. So we, we definitely need good Eddie 2019 Eddie to show up and just absolutely dominate this team.
2: See, I I don't know necessarily that we can only afford one five inning game. We do have an off day on either side of the series, right. Before and after, and then we face Baltimore. So I don't know that we need him to go more than five, but this could be, you know, the worst case scenario for the Red Sox is we lose the wild card game or don't get in. It's possible still.
1: Wait, if, he's, he's got good numbers against New York, though. So
2: I agree with that. I'm just saying if, if that were to happen, this would be the last start he could point to when he hits free agency this offseason to be like, look, th- this is who I am. The big moment. I went out there and shut him down. You got to pay me $30 million a year. So <laughs> this is the biggest start for him in his career. Because this is the start that is going to get him his big paycheck. Or not. I can't because wait to see what his to,
1: Well, you can't point is. to
2: Baltimore. You can't point to Baltimore and say, hey, look, I threw six innings against Baltimore or Washington right now. So next week, as far as his start, isn't going to matter. This is the highest leverage start he's going to have as far as what his potential earnings could be until the playoffs, and if we make the playoffs, there's no guarantee we'll make it far enough for him to pitch.
1: I forgot what I was going to say because I was uh, I was a little antsy Some, with it. but Something um, about his salary? Oh, yeah, 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 right, exactly. I can't wait because we're all over the board as a podcast on what we think is going to happen and how he's going to be valued, but um, I, I can't wait to see what it ends up being. And... But he does he does have good numbers, so that theoretically should be a, a pretty good start for him. And it's it's the ESPN game as well, so we'll see. I just want to bring up one other thing. I mean, Ottavino looked shaky. Barnes did not look good tonight. Uh, only lasted one third of an inning. Gave up one hit, walked two. So. Um, not good. Brazier came in and uh, they should shut him down. Cleaned everything up. Yeah, I mean, so we we've definitely got some issues in the in the late innings. But what did you guys think of of Cora pulling Richards last night with one out into the ninth inning? I didn't like that for Hernandez. I think he, I
0: I, I think he got what he wanted out of it. I think he saw that Garrett did his job build on that and wanted to get Hernandez some um, higher level uh, or higher leverage situations. Cause like core said today, we don't have a closer. We're going to take it game by game. Um, who knows? Maybe that will springboard Hernandez into an absolute, you know, run here for the next month, which would be just amazing to watch. Can,
2: can I give you both a heart attack here briefly?
1: Go
2: ahead. The the best pitcher to close right now, if I had to pick a wild-card game closer, we have a one-run lead, is Garrett
1: Richards.
2: (laughs) Like, oh, it's cardiac arrest, but it's necessary. He's
1: been good. He's been good out of the bullpen. and I I had a feeling he might be, but um, Darwinson closed out the game and and didn't give up a run, but he didn't look sharp, so – I, I hope he does get sharp and, and like Andrew says, goes on that run, but he's, he's a little hard tacky for me. I think it was net more to
2: get him work than it was anything else or anything negative about Richards. Uh, Darwinson hadn't worked in a couple of days. They need to find out what, you know, what our guys can do in big spots. Like Andrew said, and you saw it tonight. I mean, for the first, the first two bullpen appearances, I'm sitting there going, "Where the hell's the scrubs? You know, Why are the good pitchers going into this game? It's it's a laugher. I mean, we're up by ten runs. I I think I said in war room, you know, in our private message on on Twitter that I thought they were going to have a position player pitch for the Mets. And then all of a sudden, you've got Ottavino, Barnes, Taylor, Solly Morley. Everyone's getting in the game. Who's actually a decent reliever? Like, this is, right now, it's a guessing game for Cora as to who's going to be reliable.
1: Sawamora is not the guy either. He's, I trust him. Well, maybe I might trust Matt Barnes less than him, but it's it's pretty close. Uh, Let's uh, just go ahead and get into the series. I am going to be at the first two games, weather permitting. It's not looking great those first couple of days. Not looking like a complete wash either, so. um, But don't expect perfect weather. Uh, game one is the marquee matchup. That seven ten on Friday night. Garrett Cole versus Nathan Avaldi. Maybe that's a wild card game preview. I, I don't know. Um, but that's definitely a big matchup. And Cole got lit up against the lowly Cleveland Indians over the weekend. So, perhaps catching him at a good time and avoldi's owned the Yankees all year. So how do you guys see it? I, you know,
0: I actually wish that Cole didn't get that beat up. <laughs> um, I, you know, absolutely happy. He got a loss, but I don't know. Angry Derek Cole, he's probably going to have a little more to prove. That's going to be a tough one for these hitters. Uh, and as, as we've seen, we you know, the Red Sox can put up, like, 15 one, one game then, you know, nothing the next. So I am not super hopeful about this one. I, do, I still respect Cole uh, as one of the best pitchers in the game. So if we pull that out, I'll be happy. It's going to depend on Nate. Um, the lefties are starting to hit in their lineup, and that's the one concern I have with them.
2: I think we lose this game. Uh, I'm a little bit upset that this is probably the game that determines whether or not Garrett Cole or Robbie Ray is the Cy Young as far as the voters are concerned because it's high leverage, it's in the spotlight, it's basically Robbie Ray carrying the Jays and it's Garrett Cole carrying the Yankees. Whichever team makes it is going to have a huge edge as far as which one of their guys gets the Cy Young. But like Andrew said, a uh, pissed off Garrett Cole is a scary thing. And even though Nate plays with fire, I honestly, I, I would have rather thrown Nick Pavetta in this game and, and taken a loss than thrown Nate Aldi and, and we're probably still going to take a loss.
1: Well, I mean, I'm not going to be the guy that picks a seven-game win streak come to an end I'm just gonna I'm gonna ride the momentum and New York did kind of rebound pretty well here against the Rangers over the past few days but I think the Red Sox are feeling it I I think they're firing on all cylinders we're seeing it with Bogards we're seeing it with Schwarber right now Martinez has you know been pretty reliable Renfro in the clutch i think we can do it the the thing that makes me the most nervous is what we're just talking about is the back end of the bullpen like i feel like if we're gonna get beat that that could be where it ends up happening but i'm gonna say game one's a win for the red Sox. uh game two terry is the optimist i'm the homer tonight Game two, which unfortunately I'm gonna be at for this one. I, originally Saturday was the Avoldi um, uh, Cole matchup, at least according to the ESPN schedule. But uh, as of this morning, it you know it got shuffled a little bit. But Game two, Nestor Cortez, who's been pitching very well lately and uh, all season really, a two seven nine ERA against Nick Pavetta, who got. Absolutely creamed last time he faced New York. I think he lasted one and two thirds innings. So, how do you guys have this one?
0: I the, I can't even get a read on this one. That sounds like such a crappy out. But I, the Red Sox. Win. I, yeah. Okay. I, then I like your options. I, I I don't even. I can't even figure it out. It's Nestor Cortez. It's like we should hit him. But will we? He's so hard to read. Is he going to do that weird crap? I mean, they don't have an amazing history against him. They're only in 250 as a team. They have limited at bats. I think they only have 16 total at bats against him. And we've seen what happens with the Red Sox when they face a guy that they really haven't seen before. They make him look like uh, a Cy Young Award winner each time. But I don't know. I. If I'm going to say he lost in game one, I can't see them going uh, two in a row. So, going to have to pick a win. All
2: right, the Red Sox are going to win this game, and and here's why. Nestor Cortez, in his last three starts, has gone six innings, six and a third, and then four and one third against Texas. And he's struck out seven, walked two, a couple of walks against Texas. The Red Sox are going to take so many pitches off this guy. They're going to get him out of there in the fifth or sixth inning. And then we get to eat off the Yankees' bullpen. And the Yankees' bullpen is the worst bullpen in baseball at holding a one-run lead. So if we can keep it close, which I think we can because I think we can hit, we're, we're going to win this game. And I don't necessarily think that Nick Pavetta is a loss. I think Nick Pavetta shows up in big moments. I really do. We haven't seen a lot of Nick Pavetta in big moments uh, of late. But, you know, the first time we saw him in a big moment, game against Chicago, he went seven no-hit innings. He did it again against Seattle. I mean, this kid can pitch when it comes down to it. This might be his playoff, you know, rotation spot on the line. It could be. I might put Garrett Richards in the rotation if if he blows this game. I mean, I don't know. But I, I think he's going to be pitching his, his tail off.
1: Unfortunately, I'm just going to... I don't, I don't have a lot of confidence in Pavetta right now, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the Yankees win that one. Final game of the series Sunday night, Jordan Montgomery versus Eduardo Rodriguez. Montgomery has given the Red Sox fits throughout the year. We have hit him at times, but definitely a guy who can show up, give a gritty performance and and make it a a tough game. So how how do you guys have that one?
0: I hate facing Jordan Montgomery. Um, Just absolutely despise him. I feel like we never do well off of him, but I already said, and I can't go back on it. I think Erod shows up.
2: So I, I like this game for the Red Sox. Eddie's paycheck is on the line. And I think we lose. (laughs) I think we take one out of three from the Yankees, uh, unfortunately, in this series. We're still going to have a, a lead on them in the wild card race because they've blown so many games to terrible opponents. And uh, I think we'll take that maybe one and a half game lead, whatever it would be, into Baltimore and Washington to, to close it out.
1: Montgomery. Has only given up one earned run in each of his last two starts. They were against Baltimore and Texas, so um, perhaps, well, perhaps we'll finally get to him this time. We've seen him enough, and he usually pitches a solid six innings against us. So um, we'll we'll see. But I'm gonna like Andrew. I'm just gonna I'm gonna lean on Erod's strong history against the Yankees and and say that we win that one doesn't look like they're getting Jonathan Louisga back this weekend uh, Tuesday against Toronto as his projected return date so that certainly helps us uh, Chapman's been struggling a little bit uh, in the, in the bullpen so so at least they won't be at full strength uh, as far as their pen goes so on that we will wrap 24 hours after this episode, deep dives, we're going to be talking about wildcard matchups, what a matchup against New York would look like versus what a matchup against Toronto might look like. So join us for that episode. Everybody have a good end of your work week. Take care.